Now we'll read together in our Bibles uh, from John chapter 2. We're thinking about uh, the seven signs in John's Gospel revealing uh, Jesus' glory last week. His first sign uh, where he turned water into wine to allow joy and celebration to continue at a wedding. Uh, now uh, John moves from there uh, to where Jesus clears the temple courts. So this is John chapter 2 verse 13. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then responded to him, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. So that was our second sign, Jesus cleansing or clearing the temple. But before we get there, let's begin with the, the scenes the sad scenes from America this past week. So much of the world has been gripped by the tragic death of George Floyd. As the ugly head of injustice and racism has raised itself once more, leading to those protest movements that we have seen in various cities uh, declaring the message that black lives matter. And they matter, of course, because every life matters. Uh, as Christians and as a church, uh, we believe and we insist on this reality that all people, whoever uh, we are, are made in the image of God with value and dignity before him. And we also very much hold on to the hope of the gospel, that in Jesus there is the hope of reconciliation. First of all, as Jesus dies and rises, there is hope for us of being reconciled to God, that despite our sin that separates, Jesus has come eh, to reconcile us to God as he takes our sin and he pays the punishment to bring us peace with God. But not only does Jesus bring reconciliation with God, which is glorious, he also brings peace with one another, that all barriers uh, are broken down uh, when our faith is in Jesus. But what we have seen in America and around the world is, is lament, sadness and, and fear, in black communities and we've seen anger 
anger leading to action and to protest. Of course, some of that has crossed uh, lines. But there is protest against injustice. And we'll pray uh, about that um, after uh, thinking about the Bible together. Now, 2,000 years uh, before these events, we meet Jesus in righteous anger, taking action to confront the injustice that he sees. And what is that injustice as Jesus enters the, the courts of the temple? What is that God, his father, is being dishonoured in his own house? And that people are being denied the right to know and enjoy God? That relationship we are made for, being denied the right to worship. So let's see how Jesus acts and why, and see why this matters to you and to me today. So let's begin with the sign. So we're given the setting in verse 13, and it's very different from last time. Last time, the first sign of Jesus was semi-public. It happened at a, a wedding ceremony, but only a few people Jesus' mother, disciples, servants saw the miracle revealing Jesus' glory when he turns water into wine. By contrast, uh, here in verse 13, we're told it's almost time for the Passover and it's happening in Jerusalem. So this is the biggest gathering in the biggest city in Israel. So think, if, if we're in Edinburgh right now, think Edinburgh during the fringe. Think of the busyness and how crushed it is. And they're gathering for... Um, the Passover feast and festival, a time when they remembered with thankfulness at God setting Israel free from slavery to become his people. So they might be in relationship with God, they might worship and enjoy God. And so Jesus comes to the very centre uh, where the, the worship and where the festival uh, all takes place. He comes to the temple, but what is it he finds? He finds people selling cattle, sheep and doves and others sitting at tables exchanging money. Those temple courts where non-Jews were able to come and worship God, they've been filled with animals. They've been filled with business. So what's going on here? What's going on is a, a convenience uh, that was established for worshippers. So um, recognising that some people came from different provinces and different countries, rather than them bringing their own animals, perhaps hundreds of miles to Jerusalem. Instead, uh, people in Jerusalem would provide uh, clean animals ready for sacrifice. And also, people in different provinces uh, would have different money. So there was a currency exchange for different provinces so they could bring the appropriate uh, money to the temple. The, the problem is that this practice has moved from where it used to be on a mountainside, now it's moved into the temple itself. So Jesus walks in and he's confronted by all this noise and all this buying and selling, and it's a scandal to him. And so in verse 16, he says, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. My father's house. 
an implicit claim of identity that he is the son of God. But what's happening? You see, the temple is being made impure. When you think about all of those animals, that is not going to be a clean space. And there's going to be a whole lot of chaos going on. This is a situation that is now unfit for worship. Can you imagine all the distraction coming from the noise of all those animals and the buying and the selling and the exchanging of money? And as well as that, a barrier has now been set up so that if a non-Jew had made the effort wanting to worship God to come to the temple, there was that no entry sign because their place of worship has become a marketplace. And Jesus is angry righteously angry so what does he do in verse 15 he says he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple court sheep and cattle turning over the coins of the money changers scattering them overturning their tables so here he is in righteous anger in judgment of the temple system he fashions a whip and he sets about violently clearing out animals and traders and, and money changers uh, G.K. Chesterton, the English novelist who wrote a book called Orthodoxy. And he said that before he became a Christian, he said, I was given the impression that, that Jesus was a gentle creature. You know that? Maybe the stereotype that people have, gentle Jesus, meek and mild. But he said, then I looked at the New Testament and he realised how different Jesus was to that stereotype. And this sign certainly doesn't fit, does it? Here is Jesus righteously angered the disciples as they think about it, they then later on reflect on a psalm, Psalm 69. In verse 17, we have it quoted. His disciples remembered that it's written, zeal for your house will consume me. Jesus is like David, the king who was consumed with passion for God's glory and for God's house as he was seeing other people reject, ignore, mock, be guilty of injustice. The king is concerned for the glory of God and the house of God. Now, it's amazing when you think about it, that the religious leaders in, in Jesus' day, they don't see the problem. They don't see the problem of turning a, a part of the temple into a market area. And so they allow this to happen, that they have created a system making the worship of God, of knowing God, either hard for some, or impossible for others. I don't know what you would think is the, the noisiest environment that you've been in. Um, in my head, I can think of traveling through Manila in the Philippines in a, in a jeepney with an open back and just hearing traffic noise and horns honking and eight lines of traffic and it just being bedlam. You know, impossible to have a conversation, impossible to think. So put yourself here in the temple, you know, there's the, there's the animals, there's the cows mooing and the sheep buying and the doves cooing. And there's people uh, offering um, currency exchange. How is anyone supposed to pray in that sort of context? How is anyone supposed to come and offer a sacrifice in the right spirit to really honour God in that setting? How is someone able to enjoy the high point of their religious life to meet with God? To know and enjoy God and his forgiveness. To be knowing uh, that access, that reconciliation, that relationship in this kind of madness. And so Jesus takes action. 
so that God and God's house might have the honour they deserve, so that pure worship might take place, and so that anyone and everyone might be able to come and meet with God. So this clearing of the temple is a sign. And so let's think for the rest of our time, what does this sign signify? So let's move to the significance. So remember, Jesus has just begun his public ministry. He is still uh, very much an unknown at this stage. So in verse 18, after Jesus performs this act, the Jews respond to him, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Now that sign has already been done. Jesus is a prophet who's come with God's authority and he's clearing the temple. But they're saying, what gives you the authority? Who are you? What sign, what badge, what credential can you show us to prove that you represent God? There is cynicism and there is doubt. But Jesus offers a sign, a sign that comes in the future. Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. Here is how you will know I have authority over temple worship when I die and when I rise three days later. Now, the religious leaders, they, they totally miss it. They think Jesus is talking about the physical temple. Hang on a minute. It took 46 years to build this. You reckon you can destroy it and rebuild it in three days? An outrageous claim. The disciples, they only understand after the resurrection that Jesus is speaking about his body, that he is the true temple, and they believe in Jesus and his words after the event. But let's think together about what it means when Jesus says his body is the temple. What is this sign telling us about the person and work of Jesus and for our relationship with God? Three things to think about. First of all, and that Jesus, and not the temple, uniquely displays the glory of God. When John was introducing Jesus in his uh, gospel introduction, in chapter 1, verse 14, he said this, the word, that's Jesus, the revelation of God, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Uh, the Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. Before the temple permanent structure, there was a tent called the tabernacle. And John picks up this language and says, Jesus tabernacled among us. Jesus is the Son of God who takes on flesh. Uh, Jesus represents the fulfilment of the temple and all that Jesus says and all that Jesus does reveals the glory of God to us. So that no longer uh, are worshippers to, to sort of go to the temple and to admire it. Wow, look at all this gold. Look at the size and the beauty of this building now. Look at Jesus. Look at his wonderful character. Hear his words of truth. 
his invitation of love. Look at his acts of mercy, of demonstrating what his kingdom will be like. Look at how much he loves the world in that he gave his own life so that we might be forgiven and be reconciled to God. Jesus displays the glory of God. And here, in Jesus' action in clearing the table, how do we see the temple? How do we see God's glory? We see the glory of God's desire that sinners might know and worship him. We see the glory of God's grace extending a welcome and an invitation to unworthy, sinful people like us. We see the glory of God in Jesus in his actions to remove the barriers that separate people from God. Here it was at the marketplace, but then on the cross, the barrier Jesus would deal with would be our sin. And God in his grace and his love has come to remove that barrier so that we can have access to that perfect love that perfect love that drives out fear, that perfect love that gives us hope for now and eternity. So Jesus uniquely displays the glory of God. Secondly, Jesus and not the temple is now our centre of worship. The temple is one of those sort of dominant themes that, that recurs all through the Bible. And we understand that from the very beginning, God in his grace, God in his loving kindness, established a place where God and people could meet, could enjoy fellowship, that we can experience friendship with God because of God's kindness to us. The Garden of Eden functions for Adam and Eve as a temple because there they are walking and talking with God. They are in his presence. They are enjoying his blessing in all that they see and all that they enjoy. Of course, they sinned and that sense of fellowship was broken, but then there was the sacrifice, there was the promise uh, that one would come who would uh, crush the head of the serpent, uh, that one would come uh, from uh, Eve who would uh, defeat the devil and the power of sin. But there was also sacrifice within the garden to, to cover them when they felt the shame of sin, when they felt exposed in their nakedness. God in his kindness by sacrifice covered them, which becomes a really important uh, theme in temple worship. Uh, and then there's the tabernacle. So after uh, Moses leads the people uh, out of slavery in Egypt, uh, brings them to uh, Mount Sinai, uh, where they uh, become the covenant people of God. God commits to being their God and he calls them to be his people. They're brought into this wonderful relationship. And, and part of that, they, they get the law but they also get, Moses gets instructions for how to build a tabernacle, a, a tent, where God, again, in his mercy, will dwell in the midst of his people. 
Uh, so when Israel was on the move in the wilderness and they were setting up camp, God was quite literally, his tent was right in the middle and the 12 tribes camped all around. And there was very clear instructions for how it was to be built because God is holy. Uh, but also that God wants to meet with his people. The way was open. But part of the way that was open for how that opening came was through sacrifice. So there were uh, detailed instructions and part of Israel's life was uh, worship and access by means of sacrifice. And so both at the tabernacle and the temple, they had this visual representation. Here is God with his people. Here is God seated on a throne and he is holy. People are sinful, but still there is a way to enter into God's presence if they bring a sacrifice. And so the temple was hugely important to, to national life and to religious life. What is Jesus' sign saying? Well, just as the angels promised, he has come to be Emmanuel. He has come to be God with us. He has come to be the way that we meet with God. Think back to our memory verse at the beginning, our call to worship. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Uh, worship is not rooted to a place uh, or a building. Christianity does not centre on a holy place. No, our faith centres on a holy person, the Son of God who became uh, one of us to, to be our saviour, to be our rescuer. And so our worship is not tied to buildings and places and that's really good news for us in, in lockdown that that God continues to meet with us that we can still know God through Jesus uh, that Jesus sends the spirit so that he dwells in us so that we know that he's always with us wherever we are and now that that worship is centered on a person and not in a place it allows the message of Christianity, and it allows the church of Jesus to go global. So today, eh, there are hundreds of millions of people worshipping, some at home, some in house churches, some in the open air, eh, some back in their church buildings, but all of them eh, enjoying the privilege of knowing God through faith in Jesus. And it's been wonderful to, to recognise and to hear that the good news of Jesus is not under lockdown or quarantine, that there are people who are becoming Christians through this crisis, that people are being added to churches through this trauma, that God continues to call people to himself. The third thing to see is that Jesus fulfils what the temple represents. So Jesus is how you and I see the glory of God. We want to know what God is like. We look and we see the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Jesus is the only way you and I can know God. And Jesus is the only way sinners like us can experience the love and the joy and the fellowship of God through that sacrifice that he made in himself. The barrier that you and I face, as we said, is our sin. What does sin look like? Sin looks like ignoring our creator God in the world uh, that he has made, acting as if God is not there or God does not care. Sin is 
rejecting his offer of friendship, saying no to the love that he offers through faith in Jesus. Sin looks like treating our creator king shamefully by rejecting or rebelling against his law, his commands, and, and all of those sins and so many more, they deserve eternal judgment. We don't deserve to be near to God. We deserve to be uh, sent away from God and all his goodness forever. And that's a serious problem. It's a barrier that you and I cannot clear by ourselves. We cannot pay off that moral debt. We cannot gain access by ourselves. We simply do not have the capacity to be sinless and perfect as God demands. So what we need is we need another clearing, another cleansing from Jesus. And that'll take place on the cross. What is happening in the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus? Well, it's that Jesus takes our sin, your sin and mine, on himself. He comes as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And in his death and by faith in Jesus, trusting that what Jesus did on the cross, he did for me, the barrier of sin is removed, our, our sin is washed away, we are forgiven and now we can enjoy life with God. We get a wonderful picture of what that looks like um, at the cross as Jesus dies on Mount Calvary. Back in the temple in Jerusalem, as Jesus dies, as his body is being torn apart, the curtain of the temple is torn in two from top to bottom. That great no entry sign to God's most holy place in the temple is torn down. In the death of Jesus, the way of access is opened up for all who will believe in him. So Jesus' second sign, the clearing of the temple, is a pointer to his great mission. He has come to be the one who we worship. He's come to reveal God to us, God in the flesh, so that we might worship through him. And Jesus is how we can know God because he takes our sin and he creates a way for us. You and I, we, we've been made in the image of God for relationship. And so I'm sure we've been feeling the pain of lockdown in so many ways. And maybe you've been feeling a sense of relief and hope with that easing. We need to remember the greatest relationship of all that we are all made for is to know God. To know God through Jesus. And so the invitation is to come to him. Have faith in him. Confess your sin to him. Trust in him as your Lord and Saviour. Believe in him and enjoy relationship with God today. For the rest of your life and for all eternity.